The machine is ever turning, ever hungry. How do you avoid being eaten? How do you avoid drifting into becoming another cog? Can you escape the machine? Should you try or is it impossible? Pondering these questions and more, I mention the machine. Welcome to the Mench and the Machine podcast, episode two or three, if you're counting correctly. We're zero-based, apparently. Yes. Today we're uh, we're talking more about some Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill there. Um, some of the uh, the bigger picture stuff. We're gonna, we don't want to make the whole podcast always about Napoleon Hill, but since he's such a big uh, name in the, the the industry, there we want to make sure we do his our due diligence and cover him correctly. I'd say he's the Godfather of self help. Godfather of self help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say that he was uh, he was pretty old, so. Oh, in 1938 is when this book came out, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah, definitely. Pretty pretty old. Pretty old book, but pretty timeless principles. Mm-hmm. So which one do we want to start with here? We, should we start with the beginning? We start at the beginning? It's the end. All right, we're just going to... I'm going to list them real quick. Third, the 13th princi- 13 principles so that we, uh, if we don't touch on all of them today, we at least mention them. So the first principle is desire. Second is faith. Third is self-suggestion. Fourth is knowledge. Fifth is imagination. Sixth is planning. Seven, decision. Eight is persistence. Nine is mastermind. Ten is transmutation. Eleven is subconscious mind. Twelve is the brain. And thirteen is sixth sense, not the movie. We don't see dead people, we just see success. Yes. So, the number one is uh, desire, you know. How bad do you actually want the things you actually say you do and you say you're going to get? Um, one of uh, David Goggins' thing is talking about how nothing wants to stay in a fight against something that won't quit. So it becomes a matter of how bad do you actually want it. Do you really desire the things you say you do or you just kind of want them? It, is it a must or is it kind of a nice to have? Uh, these things that you should do, are they because you should do them or because you actually have to do them? One of the examples in the book they talk about is Eventually, the world's less like, you know what? I give up. You can have it. Right. And one of the things I just heard today that goes into this is they talk about the uh, burning the ships, the idea of that. Like, when you when you give yourself no out, but you have to do something, how much things change. How fast they can change. Yeah, because, like, you can't retreat, so there's no way out. But if you just keep pushing forward... It's almost like when you hit rock bottom, you've got nothing else to lose, so why not give it your all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's even the idea in Fight Club, you know? It's mm-hmm. only after you lose everything that you're free to do anything. Because mm-hmm. like, why not? Why not do anything? Why not go all in? Also ways to summon the willpower, which for me, like, I'm just tenacious and stubborn, and I gotta get things done. Like, it's getting done, I don't care how it happens. I'm gonna... It's only that one line for these I'm gonna do this or die trying. Yeah. And I find, like, a lot of times, like, oh, you have so much patience. I'm like, I don't have patience. I just keep going until, like, something happens. Because you desire the actual outcome. It's not It's not just uh, something you think you should do and that maybe you somebody told you you should do. It's something you actually want to do. Oh, well, work-related, I wouldn't say that, but sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ties into your reputation and things like that as well. So you yeah. you don't want to have a bad reputation, so you want to do a good job. Yeah, but that also bites you in the ass, too, because you're like, well, I'm, I'm never late. If I'm late, it's going to ruin everything. You can be late once in a blue moon. Just don't make it a habit. 
No, never be late. Never. If you're five minutes early, you're two. You're ten minutes late. That's also that mentality too. But <laughs> my point is though, like you don't beat yourself up like your entire reputation's over because you screwed up once. No, like, definitely not. We're all human, so some of us. Sure. So the next part is faith, and that's basically believing hyper sandwich that you can do it. Like, the other day, I was talking to help my dad with the chainsaw, and he, I'm like, you want me to start it? Well, you can't start I'm like, well, why can't I? It's a chainsaw. I follow the rules, and I hit start it, and if it doesn't start, then that means it's not on the chainsaw, not me. Yeah. <laughs> the chainsaw is broken, not you. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, though, like, you have to believe that it's going to happen. You don't want to set yourself for failure, like self-fulfilling prophecies. Like, oh, they're not going to like me. Well, if you start saying that, you're going to start doing things subconsciously to make people not like you, and then they don't like you. Right. Right, and uh, going into the faith thing, it's like you, 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 you just have to know that you can do things because other people have done them before you. So it's exactly, it's, it's not, it, nothing's impossible if it's already been done. I mean, that doesn't mean you can go out in your backyard and build a rocket ship, but I'm sure you could probably try. Yeah, but the other thing is, why is it not possible? Because that's the first thing people do. Well, I can't do it. Well, why can't you? Yeah, yeah, they're they're too in the they're too thinking of the negative and not the positive ideas of mm-hmm. what, what it is and what you what you really want to achieve like why why can't you go and do this thing why what's what's really stopping you i think at the end of the uh, the book actually he lists out all the uh, all the untruths or all the excuses that people say i think it's yeah. like the 52 untruths or something mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's all and like you said it was like skeet, skeet shooting with your friend when he was offering excuses for why he couldn't do something mm-hmm also, you want to remove negative influences because I know for me, like, if I'm working on a project, I'm working on a project. And people start going, well, that can't be done. Why are you doing this way? All these questions, like, and I start second guessing myself. But when you're in the moment, you're just doing things, things get done. Yeah, there's, there's, everyone knows that there's a lot of naysayers around them all the time that tell them they can't do things. And it's like 99% of the time, it's the person that's saying something can't be done. It's just because they can't do it and they don't have the desire or the the will to do it. It's not that. It, it can't be done. It's just, it can't be done by them. Well, a podcaster said one time that, like, when you put something out, like, when you make something, like a piece of art, or you make a podcast, or you make a movie or something, you always got to go, well, that sucked. Well, what have you done? Like, it's funny, because people who want to tell you how bad something is, they can't even get close to doing what you did, but yet they can tell you how bad it is. Right. It's easy It's easy to criticize. That's, um, when I go into jiu-jitsu, it's doubt they have uh, on the wall, that I think it's the, uh, the Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena, where it's like the the man in the arena is the only one that counts, not the not the critic, not the people around him. It's the guy that's actually in the arena doing the work, doing mm-hmm. the fight. That that's the important one. So definitely removing negative influences because they're going to be there. There's always going to be your naysayers, and Napoleon Hill touches on it, talking about how when you make a decision in your life, you should be keeping your own counsel and not listening all the time to all your family and friends. Because while they might have your best interests at heart, they don't. They don't always know what's best for you. And they always don't have all the all the information either, all the variables. Definitely, definitely. Which uh, goes into self-suggestion, which is number three. Um, we touched on it just a second ago about cleaning up your self-talk and mm-hmm. how the negative self-talk can be influenced by the people around you or it can be just the way you think to, to yourself. Yeah. Um, well, they, I was reading another book, not to sidetrack, but same topic. They talk about how, like, sometimes the reason why you have such negative talk is because something happened in the past you don't realize is, like, it's that voice is trying to, quote, keep you safe, but in actuality, it's not keeping you safe. Yeah, like, it's, it's actually your ego, I think. Yeah, well, the example was, like, this girl, like, she was always trying to make everybody happy. Well, you find out that when she was a kid, she, like, 
they went to get the family went to get ice cream and she dropped her ice cream. Her mom was like, Well, this is a lesson, you can't get ice cream. And her brother like started heckling her. And ever since then, like, she's very conscious about she has to be perfect. She can't screw up. And like like for me, uh, there's there's times I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do my laundry. I'm like, I'm getting the car, I'm like, nobody likes you. Why do you bother doing anything? I'm like, why are you saying this to yourself? You're being stupid. Right. Like you've got friends and family that love you and care about you. But your brain just says, Oh, nobody likes you. But why? Why would you say that? Yeah, yeah where does that come from? That goes into the uh, the other Napoleon Hill book about uh, winning the devil. That's like the, the the devil trying to get you to to uh, drift, mm-hmm. not do your laundry. Um, I listened. I watched a video the other day with the actor that was in, I guess, the show Prison Break, where he was talking about how he figured out his self talk was all wrong because he said he would uh, he would make mistakes and he would beat himself up about it. Mm-hmm. But if he had friends that made mistakes, the way he would talk to them was entirely different than his own mm-hmm. self talk. And that's other thing. Let's talk about this other book. That basically, you always, always say, okay, I screwed up. Would you treat somebody else the way you're treating yourself? And the answer is 9 times 10 is no. So why are you doing it to yourself? Right. It, it's terrible. It's a, it's a dangerous trap to get into where the, your your internal monologue is your enemy, basically. So I listen to the little voice shut up, the big annoying voice. The big annoying voice is the one that's telling you not to do the things you know you should do. The mm-hmm. little voice is the one that you got to start listening to. Mm-hmm. Which also goes into knowledge. It's another key factor. Yeah, knowledge, I, I didn't touch on this one too much. I didn't... Well, basically saying that you want specialized knowledge. That's what, that's what makes you the money. That's what makes gets you to do stuff. Like, nobody cares about, oh, everyone knows how to tie your shoes, but how many people know how to actually make a shoe? Or how many people actually know how to do a specific task? Like, I was on the podcast the other day, and the guy was talking about how, like, well, if you if you go on a deep, side, a deep sea diver diving deeper than anybody ever does and they need someone to go find a treasure they know the, tre- the, the ship's like say a thousand feet underwater and nobody else only does 500 600 well you're the specialist you can do it so they're going to hire you yeah so you want to always specialize in something that's going to be useful yeah, i've heard that story it always makes me think of armageddon mm-hmm. like, <laughs> we need the best miners in the world to <laughs> mine the inside of this comet mm-hmm. <laughs> which is great stuff the, the specialized thing also goes into the idea of um you don't want to be an insect. An insect is designed for just one single task, which means you kind of lock yourself in. You're kind of pigeonholed into that place. Yeah. Versus being a a linchpin that can be moved around the machine that can serve multiple functions. Yeah. Which also leads into imagination. One of my favorite quotes is from Inception, where they're pinned down. A guy's like, he has a little like semi-automatic weapon. The guy goes, "You guys, you have to dream a little bigger, darling." And he's got like a rocket launcher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you're if you have the power over your dreams, then you you're able to do a lot cooler stuff. It's uh, kind of the way the um, what was it? Uh, Ready Player One should have been a little bit more when they got to the scenes when there was just like all the crazy robots and everything yeah. else were attacking the final place. But from a self help thing, it's a uh, you know dream big but make it real. It makes me think of the Elon Musk quote where he talks about you should have a if you have a ten year plan, try and do it in six months because mm-hmm. you'll probably be further than you would be. But you'll probably fail, but you'll probably be farther along than you would if you were just trying to do it in 10 years. Yeah. So dream big, then make it real. Which goes into the planning idea, which is number six. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you should have, you should plan out things and you should plan out how you're actually going to accomplish your tasks and not just expect them to kind of fall into place without without the, the roadmap, basically. Your plan is your map. Yeah, there was a quote I saw the other day. It was like, an idiot with a plan can beat a smart person without a plan. Yeah. Usually, and I I always like um 
I like having backup plans and I like thinking about things that could go wrong because that's that's really one of the, the the benefits of planning is you're you're looking ahead to see what the pitfalls might be exactly and so you can plan around them um no plan survives first contact with the enemy but that's why you have contingencies yeah well like, i remember as a kid like e team was awesome they're always planning stuff and figuring things out as a dumb like all these things go wrong how do you make these this many plans <laughs> there was a uh, a cyclops quote cyclops from the x-men where he he's uh he was listing out his plans, and they, he said it was plan number three. And they were like, don't you mean plan C? And he's like, no, that implies we only have 26 plans. <laughs> <laughs> so he numbers his plans instead of lettering them. So, in order to make a plan, you got to make a decision. Oh, yeah. you got to pick a target, and you got to aim at it 100%. You can, only, uh, you can only get to where you're going if you're aimed at something. Otherwise, you're just kind of drifting. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to drift if they actually want success. There's no uh, success doesn't just happen to people. It's you got to aim for it and you got to pick it and plan it. And I think we all know those people that kind of had their idea of what they wanted to be in life early in life, and they aimed at it and they they got pretty close. I knew a kid. He was in middle school and he wanted to be a marine, and that was his his identity all through mm-hmm. high school and everything else. And he was sure enough, he went to be a marine. So. Yeah, like, like what's that quote? Um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky quote, yeah. Hockey quotes. Yeah. Um, I think deciding is also just... It, it, your your end point might change, but you've got to pick a destination and start moving in that direction. You've mm-hmm. got to start walking that path, whatever that path is for you. It's like you don't know for sure what you want to do in life, but doing something is always better than nothing. Yeah. Paralyzed. What is it? Shit, I get off the pot? Yeah. Like, I know so many people that are paralyzed by choice, and I'll just pick that one. I'll just pick one randomly just to get, get moving. Because mm-hmm. you can always change. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's more like piloting a ship or a boat, depending on what you want to think of it as, than, than like a, it's not a laser. It's like you're going to yeah. bear a little bit, and you got to keep adjusting the coordinates a little bit. It's it, I remember, I remember hearing a story from a CEO. He's like, "Well, we gotta make a, we gotta pick a, 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 a we gotta pick a system. We only do this once. We can't make a mistake." And they never picked anything. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Analysis paralysis is what happens. You just start thinking too much about everything and the pros and cons. And it's like, at a certain point, it's just like you're not getting after it. You're just sitting still. Mm-hmm. Like you're wasting time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as you make a decision, should you should be persistent about getting it done? Oh yeah, get gritty with it. Get in there and get after it. You gotta say, all right. That goes back into the, you know your desire. How bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough, then the persistence will be there because you, you it's it's just in you. You're gonna keep coming back to that decision again. That this is something I gotta do. This is something I gotta do. This mm-hmm. is something I gotta do. It's like a with the health and like fitness and thing. It's like for me, I don't want to be an old man that can't move my body right. I mean, my father has multiple sclerosis. He's in a wheelchair he's in his 60s it's like i want to be 100 years old and still like physically ha- active and moving around mm-hmm. so like the other day my dad bought diesel fuel for the tractor he's like i can't get off the machine he's like oh i can't get off the, off the truck like i used to i'm like you realize you're 88 years old right yeah <laughs> it's like i know people have your age that can't move and yet here you are buying diesel fuel and trying to get it off the tr- off the back of the truck yeah, your, your dad's, in my mind, your dad's like pouring two gallons of diesel fuel into the tractor and one into himself. <laughs> two for you, one for me. 
Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so this is my favorite topic. The mastermind. The mastermind is an interesting concept. and It's like, I've come to appreciate it a lot more over time from when I initially encountered the idea. I mean, Joel and I doing this podcast is technically a mastermind. We're also becoming a mastermind with the people that are listening to this because we're all sharing the same thoughts. Um, a marriage is a mastermind if you're both on the same page. Um, families can be masterminds, but from a success point, it's a matter of you know finding people that are thinking the way you are and doing the things that you want to do and hanging out with them and thinking the thoughts with them. I remember about 10 years ago, I, it's been 10 years, I got into internet marketing and I joined this thing called the Warrior Forum. And basically it was the place to be if you want to do anything with internet marketing. Like you can learn how to do anything there. And they had mastermind groups. I'm like, well, what's a mastermind? And I read it, I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. But the more I worked on that website, the more I realized a lot of the people there were just shysters. And then I think three or four years later, you mentioned of doing a mastermind. And that's how I met your friend, um, not John. <sighs> Let him sweat a little bit. Yeah. Rick. There it is. There you go. But I met everybody, your friend Rick, and like we tried doing a mastermind meeting. Like we did a, a weekly, was it a weekly call or bi weekly call? I can't remember. It was bi weekly. Yeah, bi weekly call trying to keep each other on task. And like, it's funny, I read the Bowling Hill book and then they talk about masterminds. I'm like, that's been around that long? Oh, yeah. Big idea. I mean, back then it was like, I think it was Napoleon Hill kind of can seem a little wishy washy with some of the stuff, but I think it's. There's science to back up the idea of the mastermind. It's kind of like whatever you think about the most often, whatever becomes the most dominating part of your thoughts is what's going to take over. So it's like if you're around people and you're always talking about the same things and thinking the same things, then it becomes a dominating part of your brain and a dominating part of your consciousness and your subconscious. And then it can, it's, you know, the secret or whatever, but it, it draws it forth, I think. Yeah, but I also think, like, it amazes me how, like, I'll talk to my coworker about something. And it sparks something else. Like, you th you think the same way all the time. And when by talking to somebody else, you inj you inject, like, a difference in it, and that allows you to think differently. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of thinks of, for some reason it makes me think of the uh, the 100 monkeys idea. You ever hear that? Typewriters? No, no, that's a different, that's a, like a million monkeys writing a novel. The 100 monkeys idea is if you teach a monkey, if you teach 100 monkeys a skill, all the other monkeys know it. Mm. For some reason, it's like, because... The other monkeys just pick up on it by seeing a hundred monkeys doing it. Mm -hmm. so it's like if you teach one monkey how to open a coconut, and he can teach another monkey, and then like all of a sudden a hundred monkeys know it, then basically you can assume that all the monkeys know how to open a mm -hmm. coconut. That's also called the network effect, if I remember correctly. I like the hundred monkey idea better than the network effect. That sounds like a Facebook movie. True. <laughs> um, finding hobbies of barriers to entry. Yeah, find, find hobbies with a barrier to entry. If you're looking for people that to elevate your game, um, that's a newer idea that I came across. It's find hobbies that have a barrier to entry, like a higher price point or a commitment to them. So, like, if you want to get in shape, you don't want to necessarily go to... If you want to get in shape and all your friends are out of shape and they're, they're not doing the right things you want to do, you want to find maybe a better gym. You want to find not the free gym, but the gym that you have to pay monthly for or something, so... There's a barrier to entry, so the people going there are higher caliber people in that that arena. Um, for instance, going to going to jujitsu makes me meet people that are more mo more uh, motivated for fitness and health, and 
than just uh you know trying to watch YouTube videos. Yeah, like I got into flying drones and airplanes, and like I taught myself a lot about building drones and whatnot. But when I got into airplanes, like I got my favorite friend in Latrobe I fly with, and like I've learned so much from him. At the same time, like he knows how to fly. He's been flying for 15, 20 years, like airplanes, helicopters, drones, everything. But I bring to the table is the electronics portion and the programming portion. Like we use a thing called RG Pilot, which is a piece of software that runs on a flight controller to control the plane. Well, to do all the crazy stuff, you got to know how to, how to where I set up the software. And that's what I excel at is like figuring out how to make software do what it needs to be, needs to do. Like he can do all the flying stuff. But then I bring to the table all the stuff of, oh, you want to do this? We'll just do this this way. And I just start writing the code or I know how to look things up or whatever. And you're both making each other better. Exactly. And it's a, it's a hobby with a barrier to entry because it's a little expensive and it's uh, time consuming, it seems. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to uh, number 10, transmutation. You can go going on this one, Joel. Cause... Oh, transforming negative thoughts? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Apparently, I've been on a kick about, like, habits and breaking habits and why we do the things we do. And um, the thing is, like, our brains are wired for patterns. And the more you do something, the more that pattern gets set into stone. The one the one book I'm, I'm reading right now, they talk about how, like, your brain has a bunch of neurons. And when you start doing something, patterns evolve. And the more that pattern goes, the deeper the pattern gets. So the, bit, the deeper the pattern, the more strong it is. Well, a bad habit... In a good habit, it's the same thing. If you reinforce it, it gets... Wow. I heard the fly land on I did too. <laughs> it's a heavy fly. Yep. But um, if you keep working at a habit, it gets stronger. But if you want to do good habits, you need to identify the bad habits and try and replace them. Yeah. I once uh, I asked Jocko once on Twitter, Jocko, Jocko Willing, um, what, the, what the difference was between... Now, habit and discipline, because he's always on about discipline. He said they're cousins. He said you need you need the discipline to go forth to establish the habit, and then once once it's a habit, it kind of takes on its own life. You just have to you have to uh, check in with it every once in a while. But yeah, the whole whole habit thing it's it's amazing to me. Like I started riding a bike. Like every day I got up and started riding the bike, and eventually I was like, oh well, that's part of my my daily routine now. Like, one of the examples I, I read about was this guy who, in his mind, everybody at work was incompetent because everyone kept asking for help. His family was asking for stuff. But the reality was, he was good at his job and they wanted his help. His family wanted him to interact with them. But the negative thought, the negative thoughts in his mind was, everyone's incompetent, everyone needs my help. I need an escape. So he started drinking. It started one glass a night, then became two night glasses a night, then became a bottle a night, and then became day drinking. And it started destroying his life because... That quick fix of, oh, this makes me feel better. Well, it didn't really make you feel better. It was a, it was one of those band-aids things that you kept drinking, but it didn't make you feel better. But your brain reassesses, really well, I'm stressed out, i got to drink. Because that will make this, for a split second, feel better. But then you get, you get used to it, and then it doesn't make you feel better, but it's still a pattern. So you keep doing it. Yeah, because when you, when you drink alcohol, it, your brain releases a feel-good chemical. But then your brain realizes that it's got this chemical floating around for no reason. So your brain releases another chemical to counteract that, mm-hmm. which is why, like, the effect starts wearing off. And you start building up a tolerance to the poison. And then yeah, it's, it's a downhill cycle there. So Exactly. So if you can figure if you can, it's basically mindfulness. If you can figure out that you're doing it, you can stop yourself from doing it. And try and give yourself some re, re, reassertion. 
read a book about imposter syndrome, and they talk about how, like, you know, this is horrible, but then you think, oh, this is so horrible, why do I still the job? If I'm such a failure, why am I here? Right. Like, people don't really, if you're a failure, they don't keep you around. They don't keep promoting you. Like, it's not luck. Yeah, it's definitely not, and it's 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 very... Very easy to fall into that imposter syndrome idea of thinking I'm not that good, and that goes into what Jordan Peterson talks about, about comparing yourself to who you were yesterday versus who somebody else is today. Mm -hmm. Because you can always be better than yourself yesterday. All the variables are pretty much the same, whereas somebody else, you don't know their backstory. They might be be killing it on the professional front, but they might go home and, like, beat their wives and everything else. They might have a terrible home. Or be mean by their wives. Yeah, (laughs) that too. But um, another example is, like, I'll, I'll work on something, and I'll hit a, a roadblock. I'm like, oh, my God, why am I so stupid? I can't figure that out. And look around, I'm like, nobody else would be anywhere near this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, for example, it's like flight. Oh, well, I got to the I got to the outer, I got to the outer space, but I just can't break that barrier. Meanwhile, there's people who can't get 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. David Goggins talks about going into the cookie jar. He said it's like when, you, when you're training for a marathon, you, you run the marathon before you run the marathon. And so when you're having that moment when you're actually running the marathon where you're like, oh, I, I can't go on, I can't do this, you got to reach back and think of all the runs you've done before that when you actually have done it. So you can say, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, and mm-hmm. it helps you go forward. Which also reaches into the subconscious mind. Do, 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 do. What you think about when you're not thinking. So I, I, I fully believe that all input becomes output at some point. So I think all the stuff that you're constantly putting in your brain becomes something somewhere else. And I think that's that goes into number 13 and we'll get to that. But I think it's, uh, it's important to pay attention to your subconscious mind also. Mm-hmm. Like, what are, your, what are your dreams like? What's going on there? Like, it's, I don't know. It, it's, the subconscious mind's a very weird thing. But Yeah, there's a, another book that I was reading called The Da Vinci Method. And they talk about a thing of how, like, you got your conscious, your subconscious, and you got the you got the firewall. The firewall keeps the subconscious from basically having free reign. And they talk about, like, one of the things people should be doing is giving your subconscious something to do while you're sleeping or working on something else. And I found that, that like, when I'm coding, I'm like, oh, I can't figure this problem out. I'll go for a walk. And halfway through the walk, I'm like, I didn't put that parenthesis there in that one place. And you come back, well, that's what it was. But, like, they claim that, like, if that with that method... You, your brain, your subconscious, would like give you like a si- a signal or a thing like, hey, what about this? Yeah. And like the subconscious, they say it has a lot more processing power than your conscious does. And like sometimes you just have the answer because your subconscious already has it. Mm-hmm. I think somebody claim I don't know if this is true or not. But they claim everything you've ever read, everything you've ever done, is stored in there somewhere. It's just a matter of recalling it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think I think I agree with that because it's it's always there and it's like have you ever had something where you're like no nah, I don't remember that and then somebody starts telling you a little bit about it and then all of a sudden like you you can recall it all it's like yeah. you just lost the path to that memory for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So in programming back in the day they talked about allocating memory and pointers and like all the memories there you just gotta have a pointer to tell you where that is mm-hmm. and we just, you tend to lose that a lot and like I know like like when I used to take tests in middle school. Half the stuff I couldn't remember, I get half of the test, and all of a sudden, half my brain unlocks. I'm like, oh, I remember this. The answer is this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also, um, like the subconscious mind of giving it something to think about is, um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin and several other people, they had it. They always had a, a, a couch in their office because they would, they would take a nap when they had a problem they couldn't solve. <laughs> 
and they would let their subconscious mind work on it. And sure enough, they, they claim they wake, woke up with a solution, a lot like going for the walk and stuff. Because mm-hmm. sometimes just staring at the problem doesn't solve the problem for you. you gotta you got to take, take a little break from it, and then mm-hmm. your subconscious mind comes up with a solution magically. There have been times where I'm looking at that Pergamon code, and like I'll start the word true or false. And after a while, I'm like, is that spelled right? <laughs> right. And it's like, like when you look at a problem so long, you can't remember how, how basic words are spelled. It's time to take a break. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I can't tell you the number of times where it'll be like a Friday afternoon, I'm grinding on a problem, and I just get so frustrated, and I just walk away from it for the weekend, and like, sure enough, by like Monday morning, first thing I, I do on my log on my computer is I look at the problem, it's like, oh, here's the solution, like, mm-hmm. this was easy. Well, the brain can do a lot of things. Oh, the brain, number 12. The brain. So, I'm not sure what Napoleon Hill was talking about with this one exactly so joel i was hoping you did because you made this outline oh i made the outline off of his principles but as i said i read this book a while ago so well you have, you have a like like a direct like in here which is the whole positive energy thing of like if you think about red cars you're gonna see a lot more red cars or yeah you're gonna, okay. you're gonna notice them yeah, I think that's what he was getting at. Is that the brain acts as an antenna, and which that's you, what it was. Yeah, what your dominating thoughts are, what what are drawn to it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's again like if you're going to buy a car, you start seeing that car everywhere. Um, my my wife saw a, she, she pointed out to me that she's been seeing orange Subarus all over uh, everywhere, and now I see an orange Subaru everywhere, and like mm-hmm. I I go into the GTA mode where it's like. They're just loading that car because it yeah. saves on the ramp. <laughs> yeah. Well, like for example, my buddy bought a fifth wheel, which is also like a it's like a trailer. You can you can literally uh, carry a side by side in it. And when he bought that thing, I started seeing more of them. Like I'm like, oh, I'm like I'm seeing all these different types now. Like on the way to my parents' house, there's three of them on the way to my parents. There's an RV for sale. There's a, there's a fifth wheel for sale. There's a trailer for sale. I'm like this is so weird. Like I'm driving up and down this road. All I drive this road all the time, and I'm just now noticing all these things here. Yeah. <laughs> here come the helicopters, Joe. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> we were driving through. We were driving back from Florida one time. When we came up through West Virginia, and it was like three in the morning, and. You know, three in the morning in West Virginia is weird enough, mm-hmm. right? But it's like in the mountains and we're driving. And every car on the road that night was white. Mm-hmm. Like white trucks, white pickup trucks, white cars. Like, it was weird. I was like, what, what happened here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody forgot to paint West Virginia. Well, maybe your sixth sense was kicking in. My sixth sense. So it's, it's again, like the big voice, little voice idea came to me. It's like the little voice already knows what to do. The big voice is your ego trying to... Trying to keep you comfortable and safe, whereas your little, the little voice is the one that tells you, you know, you got to do laundry, Joel, even if even if you think people don't like you. Yeah, like, uh, it's funny because I have these, I always make these to-do lists, and I'm like, well, this got to get done. It's got to get done. It's got to get done. And like, oh, I can just sit down. I'm like, if you sit down, it's still got to get done, so you might as well just do it now. Yeah, I've, I've been making a point. I, I used to write out my my tasks for the week on just one page and I would like leave it there and cross off each one. But lately I've been rewriting the tasks every day just cause it keeps it a little more fresh and it seems like a less intimidating list. Mm-hmm. There's, there's less stuff on it. Plus the, the newer stuff gets, it gives you a chance to prioritize and execute cause the, the newer stuff gets put on there and you can say, well, I'm going to work from the top or whatever order mm-hmm. you want to. So what I've been doing, my problem is I make a list and I list everything and I feel guilty about, but now like, 
I used my when I used to go to my buddies every week to fly, like before a couple years ago. I just started working on everything. Now it's just like, okay, I'm working on this airplane here. I'm not stopping until this gets done. I don't care what happens. Unless I find a reason I can, I have to stop. This task is getting done. <laughs> ADHD by force. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because like, I'm like, oh, work on this, work on that, work on this. And I keep bouncing, go back, bouncing back and forth. I'm like, no. If you get one thing done, at least have one thing done. If you have five things undone and nothing finished, you still have nothing. Yeah, it's better to do something than nothing again. Uh, but what does I guess what does that have to do with sixth sense? I guess and like, I, I guess that goes back into the subconscious and the idea of like you already you already have the solutions to and sometimes they just magically come to you. Well, the the thing you're talking about is like there's business opportunities all the time, but unless you know what you're looking for, you're not going to see them. And that's, right. That's the sixth sense. So like for example, I know so much about internet marketing. I know about building communities and social media and stuff like that but nothing that i work on is going to make me any money but like for example my one friend wants to do a finance podcast about stocks and i laid him out an entire business plan of here's what's going to happen you're going to build your podcast you're going to have people write in you're going to give your stock tips they're going to give you stock tips you're going to research those stock tips you can then make yourself a little community you can then have a premium thing where you can get a consultation or something or whatever you're good at you want to be able to make a community around it. And everything, you, the generic knowledge you get for free. But then what happens is you've got an up, a second level where it's like, oh, well, we want we want access to you. We want your opinion on this. And, like, I can do this in my sleep for pretty much anybody's hobby. And it's funny because like, one, my one friend Jonesy lost all this weight. I'm like, you've got, like, eight revenue streams here. You can write a book. You can do a cookbook. You can do videos. You can do this. Like, I laid all these things out. I'm like... All you gotta do is start, and you can probably make an extra couple thousand dollars a month. Yeah, it doesn't have to be part. Like you, people get in, don't get into things because they're afraid, or they say somebody else has already done it. But it's like, how many how many self help books are there already? How many how many financial books? How many mm-hmm. weight loss books? How many cookbooks? Like just because somebody else did it, maybe maybe the voice it was written in is not the same. As exactly. Voice. It's well, like this podcast, for example, we had this great idea for the for the logo, and as of right now, we don't have that logo. I went in. I found a Russian-looking font. I typed in the title. I said, "Here's what we got. Here's what we have for right now." I put the pot, I put the the RSS feed up and all the stuff. Like I got the bare bones things going. As we have time, we'll upgrade and do things. And instead of it never launching, like this podcast could have could have still been not launched yet. But right. here we are we're on Spotify and we're on Google Play and all these other places. Yeah, there's a term in web development called progressive enhancement, and it's where you start out with like the basics and like the. I mean, if you, you know, you yeah. Know, if you want to make a, a web page, like you can just slap your text and images in there, and like it works. Yeah. And but you, you can enhance it. You know, you start going and you start applying some formatting to the text. You give it a hierarchy. Like you start prettying it up. You, then you go in and you start adding animations and whatever else. And progressive enhancement is a, is a nice way to go about things. I think. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also MVP, minimal viable product. Right. And uh, the one podcast I listen to, they... Joel with the marketing lingo. It's not It's not really marketing. It's the also... The business lingo. Well, it's it's a methodology also of, okay, well, we can make the ultimate product, but why don't we start with the cat toy? And then, okay, here's the thing with cat toy. Well, why don't we just start with this part? And you start adding on to that. It's, better, it's easier to build on to something than it is to start making everything perfect and then keep starting over because it's not the way you want it to be. Right. Right, because momentum's a real thing, and just getting started is usually the hardest part mm-hmm. of something. That's why we did the episode zero. We didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah. Like here we are sitting here with an outline now, doing this doing this podcast. Who knows what else is going to come up come up through stuff? 
I don't know. Seance for Napoleon Hill. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Sixth Sense. We see, we see dead Napoleon Hill. Well, he did a thing in the one book talking about how he, in his mind, made a council mm-hmm. of like Abraham Lincoln, Edison, Carnegie, all these people. It was like his, as you would say, his Justice League. And like he talks about like one night he had a dream that like Tom, uh, Thomas Edison came up to him and said, something's going to happen, da 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 and he went to Thomas Edison because at that time he was the same time he was alive. He said something. He goes, "Oh, that's weird." Because it's not. And like, I kind of want to. What did he say? What What was right? Right. Because <laughs> like he started doing this council in his mind, and like it gave him ideas and whatnot. And at one point he stopped doing it because it got kind of to him. It got kind of creepy. But then he talks about how like he had a dream one time that something happened. He goes, "I gotta start doing that again." Yeah, and, I think the Invisible Council is a, a real thing, and it, it's. It goes into the sixth sense idea of you already know what to do. I mean, all those people running around with those uh, what would Jesus do bracelets back in the day. Like, yeah. that's an invisible council. It's like yeah. you're, having, you're having that thought, that conversation with yourself. Um, it's almost like you, I don't, it's, it's one of those tropes in TV shows where, like, the guy wakes up and, and he's like, I think this is a dream. And then, like, his dad comes up, you're dead. No, son, I'm your subconscious. I'm trying to talk to you. Right. <laughs> I'm a force ghost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, where was I going with that? Uh Oh yeah, the other the other one. What would what would Jesus do? Is never miss an opportunity to be Batman. Mm-hmm. So always always over prepare. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's all thirteen principles. Yes, it we is. did it in thirty seven minutes. Thirty seven minutes. So, well, like and subscribe. Give us some comments. If you go to the website dimensionmachine.com, fill out the form, and you can you can reach out to us. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We'll read your comments live, probably. I don't know. Haven't gotten that far yet. Next episode, we're going to be doing, uh, what's his name, Navel? Yeah, Navel. I can't even pronounce the name. But <laughs> we'll have his correct pronunciation next time. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit it in. Yes. Goodbye, folks. See you.